What's up, everyone? Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast, where we give you the business of cybersecurity. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Randy Bryan, Reginald Andre. How are you, gentlemen? How's it going? What's that? Doing well. Doing well. Good, good, good. Andre's joining us from a top secret remote location, as you can tell by his wallpaper. And, uh, and Randy and I are in our usual spots. So uh, today we're going to jump into talking about uh, we're going to talk about what the government's doing about this cybersecurity stuff. Now, before we go into that, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you at least my opinion is. The government is not the solution to cybersecurity, but it's such a hot topic that our politicians feel forced to do something. Now, I, we'll get into whether some of these things are feel-good measures or they're actually good ideas that can be brought to the table and actually executed upon, because um, there's a couple of interesting things that have developed in the last week uh, that the government is kind of getting their hands in around cybersecurity. And I think businesses want to be aware of this stuff. Um, but before we jump into that content, remember, Andre and Randy and I, we don't uh, get paid for this podcast. We do it out of the goodness of our heart because we want to educate people on stuff that we are experts in and things that are going to affect you in the future, whether you run a business or you're just a person. Uh, cybersecurity is going to be something that you're going to have to be concerned with. We've used the analogy on the podcast before about you you know strapping on a seatbelt right it's going to be the same as you know you get in a car you strap on a seatbelt and cybersecurity when you pick up your phone and you get a new computer you're going to be doing certain things around cybersecurity or every time you turn on that device you're going to be doing certain things around cybersecurity in the future if you aren't today um, it doesn't mean you won't be in the future it just means you're driving around without a seatbelt so we're trying to educate people as best we can. So uh, if you could, it really helps us out when you share out our show, when you like our show on either YouTube or Facebook, and when you come into our show uh, while we're recording and you comment. But more importantly, when you're listening to us while you're walking, exercising, uh, driving in the car, whatever you might be doing and listening to your podcasts, Remember to review us on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Audible, uh, iHeartRadio, wherever else we appear. Um, we're pretty much on every place that you can download a podcast. Uh, you can look us up. Just type in Security Squawk, S-Q-U-A-W-K, and, and get that out there to your friends and family. You're helping us grow this tremendously. Our subscribership and the number of downloads we hit increases every week, so we thank you. You guys are doing a great job with that and continue to do so and give us feedback and let you know, let us know what you want to hear from us and what you want us to talk about. So uh, that's my spiel for uh, starting off the show. Uh, that's our fee. And uh, how you guys doing? Man, there's a ton of great stuff. Well, I don't know about great stuff. There's a lot of stuff to talk about this week sure and a lot of things going on out there. And I'm pretty excited to get to it because, like you said, I really, I really want to see people learn from this podcast and be able to be more secure and uh, more proactive. So glad to be here, and uh, thank you, everybody who's tuning in right now. How about you, Andre? Any any uh, words to start us off? Any words of wisdom? 
Uh, well, here, well, although I'm in Tampa, but here in South in South Florida, we got a potential uh, tropical storm slash hurricane and things like that. So just kind of getting our all our clients ready um, in case they need to fully work from home again. Oh wow! Okay, so so yeah, um, we're gonna jump into right away. We're gonna just jump right into our content today, and today we're gonna be talking about. Um, What's going on with the government, the U.S. government specifically? Um, Andre, I know you have some some knowledge on some things that, are, that were coming out of NATO that you said were kind of in line with what we're going to talk about today. So if you want to chime in around that, too, that would be helpful. Sure. Um, but there's three or four topics that we're going to talk about that the government is kind of, you know, getting getting more involved in, in either the defense of uh, ransomware attacks and cyber criminals, or, you know, dealing with some issues that we have in the cybersecurity industry, which is a lack of talent and things like that. So um, let me take a minute here, uh, share out my screen, uh, and then we will, uh, we will jump into it. So here we go. So boom. And then the first one we're going to talk about is this one uh, that we talked about before, where the FBI uh, is, is muscling up against hackers with breaches going bananas, right? So breaches are out of control. We, we can all agree with that. Um, but I think we mentioned on this show, if it wasn't last week, it was the week before, uh, where I've said it, where the, the government has a lot of tools at their disposal that I just don't see them using. Uh, and this article goes into talking about a little bit about the FBI, quote unquote, flexing their muscle a little bit more uh, to basically stop the cyber attacks or, or make, make a deterrent or let the attackers know that their activities are not going unnoticed when maybe they think that they are. So, uh, Randy, what, what do you know about this article? You, you brought this to our attention. What's going on here? What's the FBI doing and what should our audience uh, take from this? There's so there's just a lot of talk about for years, the FBI kind of laid low and didn't do a whole lot about cyber attacks when when they happened. And the the talk on the street and the talk, according to this article, is that they're they're actually starting to change their posture. Um, when the exchange hack, which happened a few months ago, when that happened, they actually went in and got a, um, a court order, order to allow them to basically to, to fight back. And, you know, it's a lot of things hold them back from, from doing this, laws and things like that. Um, I think this is going to bring up even a broader, um, you know, a broader set of conversations from doing this. But, you know, for me, I'm surprised that they're not doing it more. I think kind of the downside, if there is a downside, it's going to make, obviously, the attackers are going to get even better because they're going to learn how to, you know, stop the FBI from reaching out to them. Um, several years ago, we had a taken on a brand new uh, client. And one of the reasons why he reached out to us, this is like four or five years ago, they reached out to us because they're, they're on-prem exchange server was constantly under attack and we actually were able to reach out using remote desktop 
we actually were able to connect to the server that was trying to breach our our customer um and they had a wide open remote desktop connection with no firewall or anything like that and i've heard in several articles that i've read lately like one of the ones mentioned in this article is a colonial pipeline hack mm -hmm. where the fbi actually went in and got back some of the money because the attackers weren't that great at what they were doing they probably maybe they're using you know, uh, cyber crime as a service, if you will. Um, so they're just, you know, they're just running a software. Um, so personally, I like the idea that they're going to be, um, if, if they can pull this off, they can reach back out and attack back. To me, it's a national, national security answer. And I know you don't believe that the government, and we don't believe that the government's the answer for everything, um, as far, you know, especially as far as this goes, but um, the government does have some resources that your average person is not going to have here, like, like, like when we're in war. So, yeah, the article points that. out that the FBI was part of a more aggressive approach towards hacker that has quietly been in the works for several years and gained traction at a time when curbing cyber attacks has become a national priority. And then it goes on to say that the FBI has definitely decided to be more aggressive said Elvis Chan, the assistant special agent in charge of cyber investigations in the FBI San Francisco field office in an interview. Our toolkit hasn't changed. We're just using the tools a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I pointed out at the beginning of, of this segment here is that, you know, hopefully they'll start to use the tools that they have to, to fight back. Uh, in this particular article, they talk about fighting back against hafnium or nobelium the guys behind the hacking, the Chinese group behind the hacking of the Microsoft Exchange. That was a very, a very big deal. So, Andre, what's your takeaway from from this? You know, there's there's always two sides to everything. So you have one side is we don't want the government, especially the FBI, going into our computers if they are um, trying to help us with this uh, attack that we're getting. What what else are they able to access? And then obviously the second uh, second side to this is everybody saying, well, your system is open, your system is getting hacked. This is affecting the country and things like that. So I could see both sides um, uh, uh, to this. I personally don't want the FBI on any of our uh, clients' computers or my computers, but I can see why they have to, why they're doing this is because uh, businesses are not taking cyber attacks seriously. And um, they're just doing what they have to do in order um, to protect the country and, and the economy. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. There's a kind of an interesting statement here that I want to read in these two paragraphs here. Um, and it goes to say that the effort isn't confined to the FBI, but rather a whole government priority. Uh, said Ann Newberger, who's the Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber and Emerging Technologies. And in an interview with Bloomberg, she says it's a dramatic difference in terms of saying this is a priority. In one recent example, Newberger's former employer, the ultra-secretive NSA, opened a collaboration center that is intended to foster information sharing with the private sector. Uh, the government's effort to fast-track cybersecurity operations has its roots in 2018, FBI and Department of Justice take down a, a malicious hacking operation called VPN Filter. According to FBI Supervisory Special Agent Chad Hunt, who helps 
uh, run a cybersecurity squad in Atlanta. The VPN filter case was among the first to use legal tools to identify and disrupt essential pieces of malicious of a malicious Russian network. That didn't really happen with with um, uh, Colonial Pipeline, with with what you mentioned, Randy. That these were just missteps by the cyber criminals that the FBI was able to kind of monitor and then identify where these missteps were and then take advantage of those missteps, right? So um, anything else you guys want to add to this before we move on to the next one? No. Okay. So the next one that we got to talk about here is, is, is this is kind of, in my opinion, and why they're, why they're showing a picture of, uh, and let me just switch up the share real quick. Um, the, this next one, there's going to be a picture of the Colonial Pipeline, right? And this article is basically going to be um, is basically going to be a response or a reactionary knee-jerk move to Colonial Pipeline. And what the Senate is kind of proposing here is that businesses will have to uh, report hacks or or cyber related breaches within 24 hours or face punishment. Um, what do you guys, just without going into the details of the article, on the surface, what do you guys feel about this? I think it's a, a great first step um, because a lot of times, as we know, a lot these cyber attacks don't go uh, announced, like, for example, when, one week later, one month later, oh, by the way, we got hacked or so forth like that. So I think it's a great first step, but at the same time, I think they need to broaden this where any business that um, got cyber attack needs to report it and needs to tell um, the government and, and their, cu their customers, their clients, supply chains, et cetera, that there is a problem and your information have, is potentially um, out there in the dark web. Randy? So Texas has already enacted some legislature similar to this. Um, I think it goes into effect in September of if you are involved in a breach and there's customer data that leaks out of the network, you'll have to report it. Um, and then your, your name, your business name will go on a wall of shame, if you will, for a year. Um, the whole purpose, I think, of both of these types of, of, of laws is to give businesses a little kick in the butt and tell them to be more proactive about their cybersecurity because they're not you know we're all three involved in this and we all three talk to businesses all the time and you know there's a lot i mean i understand it's a, it's it's not cheap to get secure but there's a lot of foot dragging going on and people don't want to move into 21 2021 with their cybersecurity. um also i think with this bill kind of the downside is going to be is how is a small you know, two or three employee business, you know, mom and pop business, if you will. Like, how are they going to know, A, that they were ever compromised and then B, how they're going to know that there was a breach to be able to report it? I think that a lot of this burden is going to fall on bigger businesses and smaller businesses may not even ever know um, that, you know, that they had a that they had a cyber attack unless there's a literal, actual ransomware on one of their computers. But I think... Bottom line is it it's a kick in the butt for businesses to get to get caught up on their security. Go so ahead, the smart thing about the, the the what's being proposed here is 
the government really can't just put out a bill and say all businesses have to follow this. So they're requiring federal contractors and critical infrastructure operators and digital security firms. Um, so that gets a little overreaching, right? You know, we're not talking about people or companies who are being paid by the government or receiving funds from a government contract. You know, they're adding infrastructure, critical infrastructure operators, which are those 16 sectors that everybody kind of became aware of uh, when Biden gave uh, Putin his, his list of don't touch these cyber attacks. And then a week later, they attacked the hospital down in Georgia. Um, so and nothing happened, by the way. Um, so now, you know, so they're adding infrastructure operators and digital security firms, and they have to report this information to the government within 24 hours or face the loss of their contracts and financial penalties. Uh, the, uh, it's, uh, Mark Warner and Marco Rubio and Susan Collins are kind of behind this effort and they want you to report to DHS cybersecurity and CISA um, within 24 hours and then continue to communicate uh, and share new information with that entity for 72 hours after discovering. Um, so uh, I, I assume that some kind of mechanism will be put in place for you to report this online or, or something to that effect. Um, but, you know, I, my feeling is on this is that, you know, to echo kind of what Randy said, how are they going to know this, this, you know, this doesn't specify size of company. There are two, three person companies that have federal contracts out there. So this, you know, when you think federal contractor, you think Northrop Grumman, you think uh, Raytheon, you think uh, uh, Lockheed Martin, right? They all have companies that supply services to them and supply parts to them. And some of those are very, very small businesses that are part of that supply chain. Um, so it, it's not just those big government entities. It's it's the it's the smaller companies that support those companies that are going to be affected by this. Um, and and then it just goes on to say here that the senators plan to introduce the bill as soon as next week, with other members of the intelligence panel likely to sign on. And the current draft is still being circulated to stakeholders for feedback. So. We'll see where this goes, um, but this is definitely feels like to me a knee-jerk reaction by elected officials to maybe satisfy some some noise or some cries that they're hearing from their own constituents about you know what are you going to do about cybersecurity? Like we need to do something, and this is what we're going to see. We're going to see kind of all these these. Uh, patchwork ideas that come out of different uh, areas, and this is coming from the legislative branch. Mind you, the Department of Defense is already working on building out CMMC, and we're seeing how long with CMMC that is taking to get off the ground. And we're just talking about one sector within the government that deals with the private businesses and, and the private sector uh, for for making sure that they're doing cybersecurity properly. Now expand that to the rest of the government, you know, all the government contracts that are out there outside of the DOD, and that's what we're talking about here. Um, it's easy to put a bill on paper, but how easy is it going to be 
for them to actually manage and maintain a system like this. So what are your guys' thoughts on, on that? No, and that was actually exactly what I was going to say. My first question is how many, how many businesses, what is the percentage of businesses that do work with these, with, with these agencies? So how, how much of that is actually affecting the businesses in the U.S.? And then the second thing is when you do submit it, then what? Is it just going to be for statistical purposes? I mean, if you submit something right now to the IRS, even pre-COVID, you're waiting four or five months to get an answer. So what's going to happen when all of these businesses are now turning something in? And how long is it going to take? Are the, is the government now going to say, hey, we're the government, we're here to help? Or like, what's going to happen? Well, I mean, look right here where it says basically, you know, one of the ways that they're going to try to get information is when companies call companies like ours, and, you know, this one cites the market leaders, FireEye and CrowdStrike. And basically that companies like ours are going to have to report this. You know, if we get called by a company and they say, we've been hacked, we want your help. We have to go and report it now. And that's, you know, that's basically what this is saying. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about that, Randy? If you you now have to become the the police of cyber attacks, even if they're not your client or you have no, you have no relationship with who just called you. They just called you and told you they were hacked. And yeah, I, mean, got, I got a LinkedIn message three days ago from somebody who told me that their business got hacked. There, yeah. there, there's going to have to be some kind of threshold because otherwise people could just randomly call up and say that they were hacked. I mean, and then you would have to waste time to research it and figure out why or whatever. I mean, there's going to have to be some kind of a threshold and, you know, we're just going to have to set our, basically our standards. I don't I'm not sure where the law is going to go, but from a business standpoint, we would just have to set our standards. So we get a call from a client and, and basically like before they go into anything, we would have to basically set our terms of engagement and terms of financing it. And before we ever went anywhere, because it wouldn't be really fair to, to just call up a business and give them some information and then they have to turn around and verify it and report it and all of that. Cause those, that could just be a, you know, a teenager making a prank call, you know? So, so we'll have to have some sort of rules for threshold. And then as businesses, we'll just have to be ready to, Hey, if someone calls, it's going to kick off a X dollar amount event between my company and your company to verify this and get it reported and all that. I mean, it's going to end up being more burden on the businesses, which kind of stinks. But once again, I think the bottom line here is to get businesses to, to act, you know, instead of like saying, well, I'm just going to take my chances. And then, you know, they have 10,000 customer records that get sold on the dark web and all those people are now victims. Instead of that attitude, they can take the attitude of I'm, I'm going to be proactive with my cybersecurity, I'm going to put practices in place and try to mitigate the risk. So I like what I'm seeing here, though, because it's been a long time coming that we've seen language come, language like this come out of anywhere else but our industry, right? And, and CISA. Now we're having the, the legislative and, and potentially the judicial branch of government and the executive branch of government are all worried about this and they're all using language that we've been using for years. So from, from that standpoint, for me, it's encouraging. 
a couple of things that I, I, I question or I don't like is this one right here, where the draft bill would give CISA 180 days to establish a process for collecting hack reports. Um, you know, that, you know, that that's a tight timeline that you know, obviously that's subject to change. Um, but, you know, coming up with a way to, to collect hack reports in a manner that's secure and somebody feels like it's, uh, you know, you're, you're handing over a lot of stuff when you hand over this reports, like mm -hmm. insider information that you don't want getting out there. Um, it's, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's in line, though, with the presidential executive orders that Biden put out, I guess, last month. Mm -hmm. um, there, were, there, were, there were several in a list, and every one of them said, you know, the such and such agency needs to do this. And then they have, they have six months to figure out a way to do it. Right. And, you know, it's just basically calling them task and giving them a giving them a timeline, you know, to get it together. Now, it's the Justice Department intelligence community to issue rules for when the agencies and companies must report the breaches and what information they must report and how they must preserve data associated with breaches. That's assuming they're collecting it in the first place to even preserve it. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's something we see all the time where we go in and you know, the right amount of logging and and all that is not in place. So you have no visibility as to what the heck happened. I do have a one small issue with that is that the legislation, the legislature is putting on the agencies to write the rules. I think the rules need to be approved by the the legislature at minimum or else they, they could be abused mm -hmm. um, and they could be used in a way that's not friendly to business. I mean, one of the number one tenants of cybersecurity is business needs to be able to take place. And so you can't get so gung ho on your cybersecurity that you can't do business. And I'm concerned that they would just give over all authority to these agencies to write these rules without a legislative legislature, um, legislative oversight. Sorry tongue-tied there on that one. But. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing that with CMMC, though. We're seeing the same thing with CMMC. Like, all this stuff's coming down the pike, and all these contractors are like, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to do this? We can't afford this. Um, you know, quite frankly, my perspective is, is that you've just been getting away with not paying for it for many years. Like, you should have been paying for it all along. You should have been building that in your cost of, of service or product delivery um, and figuring this out. And now because somebody's forcing you to do it, you're going to cry poor and be like, well, we can't afford this. Um, no, you start need to start working towards it. And CMMC is not going to be something that, you know, you have a couple years yet before it becomes actual law and it's going to affect your ability to actually get contracts from the DOD. So you have some time. Um, you know, so you're going to have to raise prices in some cases. You're going to have to, you know, do some things to make more money to pay for this stuff. Um, and then this goes on to say, which is interesting to me, that they want you to report things if it's basically a foreign government, an advanced persistent threat cyber actor, um, a transitional organized criminal group, ransomware attack, incidents that endanger national or economy <laughs> security, public health or public confidence, incidents affecting government networks, and incidents likely to be of significant national consequence. So the, the ambiguous word here for me is 
something that will <clears throat> endanger public confidence because basically any company getting hacked is going to endanger public confidence in that business. Right? Yeah. So uh, the Justice Department intelligence community would also have developed a process for promptly analyzing and acting on hack reports. And they would have to submit partially public reports at least once a month on the current cyber threat picture. That's an interesting one. What do you guys think about that one? Personally, I think it's good because... Well, it's good, but it's saying you need to have an incident response plan. We're, like, we're just telling you what this means in layman's terms. You need to have an incident response plan, and they would have to submit partially public reports at least once a month on the current cyber threat picture. So, yeah, like I said, I think that's a great idea because if it's less than once a month, then we're not going to really have a, a good picture of what's going on out there. Um, right. You know, forcing them to have some sort of report it ought to be daily. <laughs> well, they're going to get so much. I mean, automated. It could be that's daily. An interesting thing. Cause like I'm sitting here going, we only hear about one out of every 20 attacks. Right. Right. We haven't heard about a major cyber attack in a few weeks now. doesn't mean they're not happening. I mean, uh, a major, major hospital got hit. I believe it was a hospital in Australia. Um, we're not hearing about it too much here in the U S but it's a big deal in Australia. Um, and then CISA would have to report to Congress annually on the number of reports received through the new program, the specific categories, companies that must report, the types of information they must provide, and any activities undertaken to mitigate the discovered threats. In addition, the agency would have to develop criteria for sector-specific regulators, such as the Energy Department, to report incidents involving companies in their sectors. I think it's all good stuff, personally. Um, but there's a lot here. Like there's a lot, this is all what I would consider easier said than done. So what are your, what are your thoughts as we wrap up this segment on this one? I think the insurance, uh, cybersecurity insurance uh, uh, companies will love it because um, it's going to get the businesses to do what they should have been doing. And I look forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully it passes. Cool. And then so the next one we're going to jump into here, guys, is uh, one, a problem that we're very familiar with. And this is this uh, whole cybersecurity talent shortage that the government thinks they can they can help solve. Uh, and what's being proposed here in a nutshell, just for the sake of time, because we only have about 14 minutes to go and we have uh, an, another one, another article to talk about that I think is a little bit more important and we should spend a little bit more time on than this one. Um, but obviously, there is a cybersecurity uh, shortage in terms of talent out there. And these uh, senators, um, they are proposing Maggie Hassan and John Cornyn, uh, a Democrat and a Republican, are working together to propose a Cybersecurity Workforce Expansion Act that will basically offer an apprenticeship, cybersecurity apprenticeship program at CISA and along with create a program at the Department of Veterans Affairs to provide veterans with cybersecurity training. Um, what are your thoughts on this? And uh, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think it'll work? Do you think this is kind of like, 
uh, one of those things that they're just putting out there, but it's not really going to materialize in anything. What are your thoughts there? Now, um, I did some research, and in the United States, there's 879,000 cybersecurity professionals in the workforce and an unfilled need for another 359,000 workers just in the United States. So I, I think it's a great thing, obviously, for our veterans um, to get them back into the workforce. So, yeah, do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm also a big fan of this, and I think this could actually be really successful um, because it, it creates – apprenticeships. And, you know, there is a huge shortage. I've heard that number as high as 600,000. Um, so, you know, the, to hear someone else say 350,000 security professional shortage, I mean, regardless of how you look at it, that's a huge shortage. Um, one of the things that my company's done, we've, we've partnered recently with a local organization called Access. And what they do is they provide STEAM training with um, underprivileged youth, mostly in underserved areas. And one of their goals is to get more people into the STEAM professions of which, you know, we're in that also the technology, the T part. And so we're coming alongside of them. And I actually want to tie into that to work with them to start creating basically security professionals and you know i'll obviously hardly most of them wouldn't work at my particular company but we would be helping with a need and then also we would be helping people basically get um ahead in life so i think this 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 bill is great i love the idea okay i'm just gonna before i pull up the next article i'm just gonna rant a little bit about this right because we wouldn't be looking at this in this manner if cyber and, and I, I want to address the people out there that think cybersecurity, they, they don't believe cybersecurity is a real problem for them. And I want to address the people who think that there's going to be some tool or something one day where cybersecurity is not going to be a thing. Like there was a C, CFO of a, a major uh, internet company, I would call them. I wouldn't call them a cybersecurity company who basically kind of floated the idea that they were going to come up with some technology to sanitize the internet, right? You know, and it would, it would basically be like a water filter for your internet before it came into your home or your business. Um, I can tell you right now that that is not how things work. The water filter will be circumvented in some way, shape or form. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, the difference is, is there's one pipe coming into your house for water. There's a lot of different ways to get into your network from, from a cybersecurity standpoint. It's not yet. Yes, there's one internet, but there's a lot of different layers inside of that, that pipe, so to speak, that somebody could use to get in. The only thing going through your water pipe is water. The internet is very dynamic. There's a lot more than just water or one thing coming, coming through that line. So have that perspective but also understand people wouldn't be going to this effort to try to put these kind of programs in place if cybersecurity wasn't an industry or wasn't a, a career that's here to stay for a lot of people for a very long time. It's not going away anytime soon. And my point is <clears throat> there's no silver bullet to this stuff. Anything, anybody that any, anything or anything you hear or anything that you see where somebody's like, 
you can install our tool or you can buy our tool and it's going to protect your business. There isn't one tool. There isn't one magic bullet. That's all marketing. You're being sold on marketing and, and you're, you're, you're falling into the trap of being sucked in by really good marketers who are telling you, you only need this one thing or you only need our tool. And I hear it all the time. I'm hearing more and more. These guys with these, these um, endpoint tools and things like that or, or zero trust tools that this is, this is the thing. It's not, that's one thing in a slew of things that you're going to need to do in order to protect your company and your network from cyber criminals. So I just wanted to make that point because this type of thing reinforces that perspective that I've been sharing with people that this isn't going away. We're now going to invest in an industry. We're going to use veterans, military veterans, and get them trained up. We're going to have CISA with an internship program. This is going to be millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars that are going to be poured into something like this if it goes into effect, which only proves that cybersecurity is here to stay. So um, I don't know if you guys want to add to that, but I'm going to pull up the next article. If you guys want to add to that, go right ahead. So Definitely last- no, no doubt that it's that it's here to stay. Um, and nice little rant. Good job. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, now we're going to do uh, this last one here, which I think is huge. Uh, Senators proposed bill to help private sector defend against hackers. All right. So what this bill is and what this this came up the other day, and it's an interesting perspective that um, – Again, bipartisan uh, work here by a Republican from Montana and a Democrat from Rhode Island, uh, Senators Daines and, and, and Senator Whitehouse. Uh, and they both uh, are proposing a bill uh, that will allow companies to, quote unquote, hack back if they are under an attack. And right now, if you try to hack somebody, it's a federal crime, whether you hack somebody in the United States or you hack somebody around the world. Either way, we have laws on the books that says if you enter into a network, breach a, a network, go try to do certain things over the Internet to other people's networks, it's a federal felony. Um And this law would basically give you carte blanche to do whatever you want you or whatever you feel like you need to do in order to retaliate against who who you were um, attacked by. What do you guys think about that? We'll start with Andre and then we'll go to Randy. I think it is a horrible, horrible idea. Um, you, you think about this. I, I give an analogy of the states, right? States, let's just say there's an attack, Middle East somewhere. A state is not allowed to go and go back and attack. That's the job of the federal government. So here you have essentially a company that's getting attacked and now they go back and attack that company. Think of that retaliation. And let's just say that's like, like there's so many things that can go wrong in that. There could be like an investigation that um, a government agency is doing to essentially stop these people. And now this company somewhere in the middle of Texas just decided to do something. I mean, it's going to be like going back to Texas, wild, wild west. And it, it's not 
something that anybody should on Texas. Why are you picking on Texas? I love Texas. <laughs> but it, that's a great point. I, I agree with it. You know, when you when you there there should be some kind of coordinated effort here, right? And, and maybe you need to ask permission first and you get the green light from CISA to 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 do whatever you want to do. Um, it's 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 the out of the box thinking that I like though, right? It's out of the box thinking because the talent of cyber security people doesn't necessarily the best talent doesn't lie in the federal government. I'll be quite frank. People in the private sector that I know are are the best of the best, and and they're not working for the government. They probably couldn't even get jobs with the government, quite frankly, um, just because of who they are and their background and things like that. But, you know, some of them are very good people. Um, and so not to say that, but this is going to empower the right people, maybe, or or it's going it could empower the wrong people. But you would hope the right people would be involved in the, in the kind of hack back that they're talking about here. Um, Randy, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I agree with both y'all. I see this on one hand. I see this as potentially a big mess. And by the way, Andre, I am from the middle of Texas. So boom, there you go. Um, but, but it could create, like he said, we don't let Texas go attack some country that did us wrong or whatever. That is the job of the federal government. So well, I feel that on, on one hand. One second. We're talking what? in 2021 terms, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what do you think happened back in the colony days? I I'm they is, probably this, took this matters is, into their own hands, correct. which is why we ended you, up with a federal government. I mean, and gave right. them those those responsibilities. Correct. You know, but then on the other hand, I do like you said, I do like the out of the box thinking. And maybe this won't get passed, but maybe it will open up some creativity that'll bring up something that does make it. But then again, you know, that that hacker, it was a Chinese server that was hacking my customer like five years ago. Mm -hmm. I had technicians that were one of them particularly who went on to be a CISO and he works for a major company right now. He was chomping at the bit. He's like, let me attack them back. Right. Let me take them down. And I was right. like, man, that would break all kinds of laws. We can't do that. So there are times when maybe it might be good to be able to have that, you know, that ability to be able to fight back because sometimes you feel helpless because you can't. I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but the best time to hack back is when you have them in your network. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, um, you know, I don't want to go into too much more detail there, but that's the point of this bill and these, and these senators. And again, we go back to, they're speaking our language. They're starting to understand this stuff. And when they ask questions, why can't we go after them? Well, we could have three days ago when they were in the network, you know, we could have retaliated, but now they're gone and now we've removed our access. So now we can't really do much. So it's like, a lot of times in the heat of the moment, certain decisions need to be made. And right now we're just making decisions to cut off access when sometimes it's better to kind of invite them in and, and maybe and maybe do things while they're in there, you know, without going into too much detail. So 
Um, anybody want to add anything to this? We good to go because we're at the top of the hour. So I think that's a, I think that's a wrap for us. That was a good show. Uh, government's starting to get involved. We'll see how far this goes. We're obviously going to stay on top of this stuff for you guys and and bring you more as these these different stories that we covered today develop. But you know, to recap, we got the FBI flexing their muscle even more. Um, we got the Senate getting involved in reporting hacks, getting people trained up to deal with this stuff, and then also proposing hacking back, which is kind of related to the first two, right? Reporting and then getting getting everybody skilled up so we can actually handle this stuff and then going on the offense and actually doing things to really make this an unattractive thing for criminals to, to want to get involved in. So that's it for me. Um, I'm good to go. Uh, you guys want to mention anything before I end the broadcast? Or are, we, uh, are we good to, to go out? No, we're good. All right. Good. Great show, y'all. Yeah. Thanks for your time, guys. I appreciate it. We'll be back next week. I hope everybody has a great uh, Independence Day weekend. Enjoy your freedom. Enjoy your time off with your family and friends. Don't blow off your hands. I know my town's not doing fireworks, so everybody I know is going out and buying fireworks and stuff like that and doing their own thing. So I don't know if that's the same where you are, but stay safe. Uh, make sure you hydrate a lot, and uh, we'll see you all on the other side of the Independence Day weekend. Take care.